Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Uh, hi, and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower, a bonus episode. I'm James Nakise. This is clinical psychologist Saab Jahal. And uh, Saab, uh, kia ora. Kia ora. I want to talk to you uh, about work pressure uh, because I know from a work environment that there are pressures, as many of our listeners will know, from being the worker. Mm. But I'm curious about being the boss, the mm. big boss. Mm. Are there unique pressures mm. um, that you've seen from people who are at the top of the company as opposed to those pressures that we can all feel from being in the company? Yeah, yeah. So let's think about particularly like startup companies okay. that are quite young uh, and the founders yeah. whose passion it is to make sure that this company succeeds, right? So they've got, they're wearing lots of different hats. They are they are responsible to the board mm -hmm. of their in, and the investors as well, right? So they can have certain conversations with them. They're also trying to motivate their team. So they may have a separate sort of thing, set of things that they can talk about to, uh, with, with them as well. They may have partners and they may not wish to talk about what's going on in the company with them as well. Mm. So they're trying to strike a balance, which is not just about performing and doing the work for the company, but they're taking this kind of like overall strategic view as well. Now, the problem with founders, that, and I did a bit of research, and I looked at Fortune magazine to have a look mm. at some stats that they've done in some of their surveys, and they reckon about 30% of startups are under threat because of their founder well-being status and their emotional health. Right. So unless founders look after themselves, then really it is a threat to the ongoing nature and viability of their companies as well. So yeah, it's not talked about much, but it's really, really important that these founders um, recognize the pressure that they're under and take steps to look after themselves. Is that, it's a little bit of a business catch-22, though, because on the one hand, with, we're asking people in those positions to take care of themselves and maybe be more open about any mental health struggles that they're having so they can deal with it so the business can be good. Yeah. But there is still a stigma mm. publicly when people often talk out about any issues they're having. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that partly speaks to how we still talk about mental health in public. Because we still think about it as a kind of either or kind of thing. You have a disorder and this is something that's really serious and big. And yes, it is. But really, actually, what we should be thinking about is a continuum. 
Mm. We're all somewhere along that line. Yeah. And we change all the time. It's dynamic and it changes over time. So we may be unwell at one point in time and not at others. So yes, we do need to have this conversation in public. But for founders, it may feel really uncomfortable for them to have that conversation in public because it not only is about them, it's about the company that they're trying to grow as well. Is there anything that uh, people in that position can uh, do, um, not just for themselves, but in terms of like their, their environments to make it easier to have those conversations? Yeah, I think... Um, really being careful about what it is that you say in public, but at the same time doing justice to the idea that we need to be having these conversations more openly. But I wonder if we need to be thinking about um, something like the Google legislation in the EU, mm. where you have the right to be forgotten. So I what, had this... What is that? What is that yeah. legislation? So roughly speaking, it's about the idea that actually this is something that happened in a period of my life. Mm. And I'm actually over that now. And I would like that removed because we're now living in a digital era where what we say, what we um, are filmed about, what it is that is in print about us leaves a footprint behind, which can be searched forever. I wonder if I can do that with some of the reviews I got from earlier in my career. <laughs> Possibly, James. You might have to move to Europe. Um, but yeah, one of the things that we may need to think about is how do we protect people uh, from having this lasting legacy, which may not be helpful for them in the future, mm. although it serves a purpose for them in terms of their recovery or terms of their contribution to making sure that we are having an open dialogue around mental health. How do we make sure that this actually doesn't become something that does them harm in the future? Right, because you're, you're trying to heal from one traumatic thing uh, by being open about it. And then if that openness is, would we use the term abuse? Would that be the correct term? If that well, openness is abused? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's possible that it could be used against them. Mm. I think that that's the thing to, to uh, bear in mind. So maybe there is a, uh, a conversation we need to have or some action that may be open to people to say, actually, I, that information was uh, true, uh, but I actually would need that to be removed now. Now, there's an interesting balance there around freedom of speech and information openness. But I think if it's about them, then perhaps they have some right around what information is available about them too. Now, keeping with our, our mindset on, on business, um, one thing I'm always curious about is the relationship between mental health and business practice. Mm. You know, and I say that because I'm an independent contractor. And I think for people who are in, in those particular kind of jobs, the, mm. the, the line between work and play, uh, between um, you know, generating income and keeping yourself sane can become very blurred. Yes, yes. So I think one of the ways of kind of perhaps tackling this is really thinking about your well-being as an asset and as a right. resource, yeah. which you need to protect right. and nurture in order for you to grow your business and for your business to be successful. So if that's an asset to your business, then how do you look after your assets? You invest in them, right? Right. So you need to invest in yourself. And one way that people can do that is by scheduling them into your work diary and they become immovable appointments. Just as you would not cancel appearing before your board in order to uh, talk about what's going on with your company uh, because you would be, you know, be uh, looked down upon for you not to show up. Similarly, when you're investing in yourself, you need to be showing up for yourself and making sure that you are looking after your own resource. And are you saying that we keep uh, the same uh, gravitas uh, that we have for our job, what we consider our job, 
uh, with our vacations? Or is it making the vacation part of the job? So it's just another aspect of your work. Absolutely. It becomes part and parcel of you performing in your work environment because you're wearing many hats. And this is not just about founders. These are everybody who's working in that company, setting the ethos and setting the expectations from the very beginning, from the top down in the company, actually is protective of that company's assets in the long run. It may feel pressured, it may feel like some things have to give to meet short-term deadlines, but actually, if you're serious about your company and you're serious about your mental health and well-being for yourself and for your company, it's really important to make sure that you take and protect your assets seriously, and that includes scheduling well-being time. And would you say that's the kind of language you can use? Because like you say, there's still a stigma around this kind of stuff. And so is that the kind of language that you can use when you're talking to people who you work with uh, about your vacation? Because, you know, sometimes you're in the work environment and they'll go, oh, lucky you being able to take a holiday. Yes. When in fact that holiday is, is the thing that's going to keep you sane to do the next eight months work. Absolutely. If you're thinking about this as an ongoing life to your company, you want to make sure that it's successful in the long term. You really have no choice because you can shortcut these things for a short period of time but it's not sustainable for a long period of time. And we've seen that. We, uh, me and myself and, and, and some other of my colleagues, we run workshops in Wellington around Lightning Lab. And one of the earliest things that we talk about when people are going through these accelerator programs for startups is the importance of founder well-being and how that is stitched through the whole of the ethos of their startup companies right from the very start so that we can start from a good place and we continue those good business practices in terms that make sense to the business. Clinical psychologist, Saab Jahal, thanks very much. Kia ora, James. Kia ora.